Father, we wait on you. We wait on you. Not only do we stand still and wait on you, but we serve you, Father, as a waiter waits on a table. Father, that line in that song that says we're going to find the table and we're going to just stay there. Father, I thank you. I praise you, Father. So that line in the song, and I have to say this because I don't know if everybody else saw it. I just caught a glimpse. That was our worship team that wrote that song. So that is a song in-house. Is that amazing? The first anointing. Yeah, the first anointing. I love that. So... That line, Kirsty, where finding the table, it takes me back to the Psalm 23. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And that picture of sitting at the table with your eyes locked in with Father God and all of the chaos that's going on behind you. And God is saying, you stay right here with me. You don't pay attention to any of that back there. You stay right here with me and you keep your eyes locked on me. I prepared this place for you at this table and your your business, all of this going on, this chaos, that's not your job. That's God's to take care of. Your job is to stay locked eye to eye with me at this table. That song just so waters that for me. I love that. So whatever the chaos is that's trying to pull your attention, just what we just sang about, what we worshiped, what we declared is that we find ourselves when we are sitting at the table, at eye, face to face with the Father. So don't pay attention to all of this back here. Lock eyes with Him and stay right there. Stay right there. Let's, let's pray over that. Let's, let's pray over that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. So, so much for your presence, for your joy, for your mercy, for your grace, for your forgiveness. I thank you that, God, that when we are right with you, we should have no problem pulling up to the table. Father, if we're, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that is not um, feeling right about being in your presence, um, not practicing right, of being in your presence and, and I say that as we all need to receive that forgiveness and pull a chair up so Father we all no matter where we're at no matter if we feel worthy of being at the table or not worthy of being at the table I say God that we are your word declares that we are worthy that we are your value we have the ability we have the privilege we have the right to be at your table. So, Father, I thank you for what you've set before us. And I thank you that as we partake of your grace, mercy, forgiveness, deliverance, freedom, Father, as we partake of that, God, it propels us into a greater view of your kingdom than ever before. I thank you and I praise you for each and every person that is receiving that this morning whether they're in-house or online. Father, I just pray that wherever they are, that they receive 
because they're pulling up to the table. I thank you. I praise you for that. In Jesus, Jesus' mighty name, the great Son of God, amen. Well, worship team did awesome today. That song is, that song is awesome too. All right, you all can have a seat if you want to. If you don't want to, you can stand up. I don't care. But uh, we get to, to move into a time of the service that uh, I'm very honored and privileged to get to, to do this. Do you, do you have anything that you want to say? Do. You do? do? You want to say it first or you want me to say it first? Well, all right. Well, um, I want to welcome our online community. Thanks so much for, for um, joining us here this morning. Um, man, you guys are a community that um, is just the same as being a part of our in-house community. And we appreciate you from wherever you're watching from. We thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church. And um, I want to say welcome. If I've never got to meet you, I hope that uh, I get to pretty soon. And um, uh, so it's, it's such a privilege. Our son got married last week. Um, is Lacey? Lacey's here, my new daughter-in-law. Lacey, would you stand up? Please, this is, see, now, now you're in the middle of it, and I'm going to make you stand up all the time. Um, anyways, they, they got married this last Sunday, last Sunday afternoon, and, and so um, a week of marriage, you all right? You feel good? All right. I'm glad you do, because Rhett doesn't feel good. <laughs> he must have drank the water somewhere in Mexico. And uh, so he's, uh, he's at home recovering a little bit this morning. Be praying for him. So anyways, uh, with that, it's, uh, it, it was such a fun, fun trip. And, and uh, the Garcias, man, it's good to have you part of the family. Not just church family, you're our family now. So anyways, with that, um, I'm, uh, what do you want to do? What, what's next? <laughs> So this morning we have a very special friend in the house and uh, Darren's going to bring Aaron up here in just a minute. Darren has a different, uh, you get to introduce Aaron in a, in a different manner. But what I want to say is what a gift it is when God sends somebody into your life that challenges you. And I don't mean challenging you in a contrary way, but I will say this every time I have sat down and had the opportunity to have coffee with Aaron Havens, I leave with a line or a phrase that he has said, and I chew on that continually for three or four days after we have coffee, and then for about two to three weeks after that. It challenges me, and every time I get to sit with him, it causes me, I feel like I get the opportunity to level up when I get to be around Aaron because he says things that are coming from a place that I've never been. And so to have the gift of having somebody in your life that can challenge you, to cause you to think outside of your current experience 
is such a gift. And I encourage you to find that, to find that relationship, to find that person that can do that. And we are so blessed to have his beautiful wife, Lauren, which she actually isn't 18. She looks 18, but she's not. (laughs) But anyway, we have our special nights. We have have horn dates, which we need to have another one. Havens and Gleghorn, that's our ship name, the have horns. So anyway, I'm going to turn it over to Dara, but I'm so excited to get to just be in the presence and whatever is said this morning, I know I'm going to be chewing on it for weeks to come. So So, um, about 10 years ago, I was up here preaching on a Sunday morning, and you know, being a pastor sometimes is difficult because um, there's a lot of hurt. That, I mean, you put yourself in a position that, that hurt can come, and and um, scars, scorch marks is what I call them. Um, that sometimes people hurt our hearts, and it's hard to get to to know people um, and give your heart to them as friends. But about ten years ago, I was preaching on a Sunday morning. I got done, I went down to my chair, and as people were leaving after they were dismissed, I noticed this young guy kind of cruising the outer realm of the church here and just looking, staring. He was talking to people, but he was, he was looking at me. So I, I thought, well, I'm going to go see what this um, 25-year-old kid wants to, <laughs> wants to talk to me about. And uh, so I went there. He introduced himself and um, gave me his card, and he said, you know, I'd like to have coffee with you sometime. I'm starting a church here in Greeley. And um, I was like, okay. Um, other pastors are usually kind of, mm, it's, it's, it's like, what one of my friends said, it's like, you know, who's peeing higher on the post? <laughs> you know, you get two, two male dogs running around, they start, you know. Anyways, um, that's what it's been like being a pastor. So he gave me his card, and, and I prayed about it, and I wanted to meet with him, and we met and had coffee from that day forward till now. Aaron and, my, Aaron and I have been the best of friends, and um, it is an honor to have a friend that speaks into your life, that challenges you, that r- walks the same road, and knows how another pastor feels because he's walked that road. And so Aaron and Lauren have been pastors. They've been missionaries. They've um, walked through a lot of uh, mega church stuff. And he started churches. And, and they, they've started churches together. And it is such an honor to have that piece of um, currency in, in my life. And so with that, uh, I don't know what else to say because if I go too far, I'm just going to cry and stuff like that. And we don't need that. You know, that's not pretty. So um, Aaron Havens is one of my best friends. And it is an honor today to have him step into this pulpit and deliver the word of God because he's creative. He's uh, knowing, he's prepared, and he's always seeking the face of God of what to do in his life. So with that, if you would give a N3C welcome to the stage, Aaron Havens. Hey, 
Okay. All right. Whoa. I'm real good. Okay. Let me put myself together here. So with that introduction, um, Darren pees higher on the pole than I do. And Lynette is smarter because she can take my jibber-jabber and chew on it for three days. <laughs> I love you guys. Yeah, and we could go on forever with what God's done in our relationships already in, in the 10 years that we've known each other. And so, church, um, I don't know if you, if you really know it, but hopefully you do. You're here, so obviously you know it. But uh, Darren and Lynette are very special uh, God has an anointing over their life. They're incredible people. Uh, and it's, it's been fun to see how God continues to use them. And so I love you guys. And I'll stop because I guess crying is not good. So I, I will say, not, not to be super weird, but I think it, there's, there's a dude in a black hat right here. In, uh, in, in like, yeah, I'm looking at you. Wave your hand. Nothing to do with you, but it's your chair, really. Like that chair right there. That's where I sat the first time 10 years ago, like right there. And I was hovering around because there's these big men. They looked like they were going to beat me up if I came and approached Darren. But be careful. That chair is scary, man. I um, am honored to be here. I'm super excited to be here. I got my old man readers, so if I need them, I got them here. Uh, but quite honestly, I, ha- I have a note on the front of, of every page of my first page of every message that I've given for the last, I would say, probably six years. And it's something I read before I get up and before I start speaking. And it just says why I speak. And it's not for you, but I'll tell you what it is. Like, this is why I speak. And so I sit, I sit down, I kind of pray over this before I get up here. And here's why I speak. To invite others into a movement. I love the word movement. So this is why I speak. To invite others into a movement of engaging the mind, body, and soul. Like what else are we, right? Inviting others into the movement of engaging the mind, body, and soul while all along remembering the good news message of Jesus Christ. So if we can accomplish that today, like if we can accomplish every single one of us getting moved just personally, whether it's our mind, our emotions, our being, whatever we may be, and we remember that it's all about Jesus and what he's doing in our life, then we're done. So are you feeling that already? If so, I'll just leave. Like, we're good. Like, I accomplished mission, mission accomplished. Like, but that's my prayer for us today. And quite honestly, uh, August 23rd, 2020. So that was a few months ago, right? August 23rd, 2020 was the last message I gave. So I'm kind of nervous. I had to make sure my fly was up before I got up here. I, I debated whether blue and black actually goes together. So if you think blue and black works, raise your hand. Okay, if you have more fashion sense and you're like, never wear blue and black, raise your hand. Oh, come on. No one wants to go there. Okay. I'm nervous, though. Um, this, this is the first message that I've given in uh, over a year. And I couldn't say no. I've said no to a lot, a lot of people that have asked, a lot of churches that have asked. But there's something about Darren. I'm telling you, bro, don't sit in that chair. <laughs> Ten years of him whooping me. And then he comes and he, and he asks to speak, and it just, it just felt right. And the message just felt right. He's like, let's, let's talk about the church. Can you talk about the church of Greeley? 
I'm like, dang it, Darren. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I've, I've pastored over 20 years in the past tense, right? I've pastored over 20 years and have, honestly, very conservatively given over 2,500 messages in those years. It's been an honor. I wouldn't say it's all been an honor. <laughs> but it's been good. It's been a joy, and I couldn't tell Darren no. And it's a little bit of a continuation of what Pastor Greg talked on last week, and I think I can summarize everything that he said because I'm just to the point here. As he spoke in Ephesians, he talked about God is the head of the church, amen? Amen. And we have been given this powerful strength called the Holy Spirit in us. And that's what last week was about and a whole bunch of other things. But that's what I took away, right? Like God's the head of the church and we are the church. God has given us the Holy Spirit to just move and guide and be a powerful force in our life and in the world called Greeley and beyond. So when Darren comes with those big old blue eyes, can you speak? I'm like, dang it. And can you speak about what the church is? I'm like, yep, let's go. Let's do this. Because I can tell you this, I, I haven't spoken for over a year, except my daughter's wedding. Hi, Audra. Hi, Eli. They just got married a couple of weeks ago. So if, if, if you need marriage advice, they're two weeks older than you. <laughs> but something wonderful has happened since I stopped pastoring. I'm retired. Isn't that cool? I'm a retired pastor. Something wonderful has happened. Like I've fallen more in love with the church than ever before. So I couldn't say no. And I figured out how to get it so I can read my notes this way instead of this way. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like I've been doing it wrong for 10 years, but I finally got it right. So church, I finally got it right. This might be the best message ever. Like, <laughs> let's, let's do this thing. Are you ready? I'm going to jump in um, because it's about God. It's about the gospel message. And so I'm going to jump in. If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be talking verse by verse through verses 13 through 20. So it's super important. Open your Bible, physical if you have it, Matthew 16 or your version app or whatever it is. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. We're going to walk through these verses. These are powerful verses when we're talking about the church especially. I'm going to read through them and highlight a couple things. Now, I'm not all-knowing, obviously, And the Holy Spirit can teach you some different things in here as well. But one of the things I love about Scripture is God kind of knew what he was doing, right? He wrote this thing. And so as I've been prompted as to what to say this morning, the Holy Spirit may prompt you as well. You may highlight some stuff. By the way, it's okay to highlight in your Bible and write notes. Mine's all messed up, right? And so as we walk through this, I have some things that I think God wants to show us about what the church is, the power of the Holy Spirit, but he may also show you some things as well. So I'm excited and honored to speak here today. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Verse 14. They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Verse 14. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. 
For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I don't know what that really means, loosed. We don't know, whatever. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Kind of weird secret mission thing going on there. But as we look at this, I want to point out a, a few things that I think are so important for us when we're thinking about what the church is. What's the church of Greeley? How would you answer that? What's the church of Greeley? And as we look at this passage here in verse 13, we see the syntax of the question, the essence of the question that's being asked, who do you say that I, is, that, that I am? Look here, the syntax of the question in verse 13 is repeated in verse 15. It's the same question with a major flip. And so here's the question. Who do you say that I am? In verse 13, um, he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. So he's saying, who who do people say that I am? Right? You see that in verse 13? It moves from people to verse 15. What happens in verse 15? Yeah. But what about you? So here we have in verse 13, who do the people say that? But what about you? I want to know what you and who you say I am. There's a really smart man. He's a commentarian. His name is John Noland. And this is what he says about this, this, this little passage right here. He says, there's a difference between the level of insight involved in the range of popular opinion." and the understanding to which Jesus calls the disciples to rise. There's a people understanding of who God is, but there is such a deep understanding when God is calling his disciples, the people that are following him, to rise to a whole other level. It's not what the masses say. Who cares what the masses say? What are the people saying? What do they perceive? Who do they perceive me to be? Who cares about that? I want to know what you, disciple, follower of Christ, Christian, to be like Christ. That's what it means. I want to know who you say that I am. I had a really cool, fun little YouTube video that I was going to bring up here, uh, but we're not going to do that. But how, how, how many of you know the bystander effect? You probably know this. You've probably seen it. If not, just Google it, the bystander effect. It's pretty scary, actually. And what, what this YouTube video would show would be uh, someone in, in the crowded street in New York, and they, they just lay it down on the sidewalk like they're hurt or something, and it, and it takes like 24 minutes for someone to actually stop and check on them. Like it takes, it takes that long, and they did this multiple times, right? There's a lot of psychological things that go there. One of them is the diffusion of responsibility. That explains why people aren't stopping. If you see someone in need, you're like, oh, well, Joe's got it. And they walk on by, like the diffusion of responsibility. And that's the negative portion, I think, of what God and Jesus is asking his disciples right here. He's like, don't you dare fall into a diffusion of responsibility. I am not just this thing that the people talk about. I am your friend. I am with you. Like, you're walking with me. Who do you say that I am? 
I think this really tips a hat of what we're going to talk about today. What is the church of Greeley? What do you think it is? It's not what Aaron says it is. It's what's God doing in you. There is no such thing as a Christian called the diffusion of responsibility. He's called us to wake up into the greatness that he's already put in us and walk in that. I can't go fight for 1,500 jobs. Thank you. And I really don't know how to bail hay. I was really good at throwing it up on a truck, though. Except you catch up your arms and legs, right? So I digress. That wasn't in my notes, by the way. Believe it or not, that, that came out of nowhere. Don't play small. Don't play small. Don't base your Christianity off of what people say Jesus is. Don't come thinking that you can come into N3C and get everything you got and go throughout the week and just kind of live your life, but going back to church on Sunday, and that's what God intended for your life. Now, this is good. We get to come together and we get to fist each other and be like, yeah, rally call, let's worship. Let's bring everything together and tell the secrets of what God's been doing in our life and lift up his name and re-energize each other because you know what? In about two and a half hours when I'm done speaking, we're leaving. I'm joking about the first part. (laughs) We're leaving. And where we go is the church and we know that. We've been taught that. You've been taught good theology here. This is not the church. This is the church coming together, right? We've been taught that, but are we living that? Or do we live our life like, God, the people say you're this. And God's like, but who do you say that I am? The syntax of the question is, who are you saying I am? This is good. Look at verse 16 here. Oh, thank you for my readers, Lauren. Yeah, she's smart. She handed them to me before I came up here. Uh, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Listen to that, man. Simon Peter answered. Simon Peter. I bet he was annoying. As the disciples, I bet he was pretty annoying. Oh, he's talking again. Yeah, he's not diffusing responsibility, is he? The others are being quiet. And you can even look back to verse chapter 15, verse 15. Just, just a, few, a few verses back there. Like, everyone's quiet. The disciples are quiet. And Jesus asks a question, and Peter doesn't get it. He's like, uh, God, explain the parable to us. So he speaks. Everyone's probably wondering, I don't even know what you're talking about, Jesus. But Simon Peter steps up and says, explain it to us. And, and then we see it a little, everyone else is acting like they knew what he was talking about. And then we get down here in chapter 16, and Simon Peter answered. He's known as the one to step up. Simon Peter's known as the one to step up. Are you? Are you? I hope so. That's the opposite of the bystander effect. Like, I would, I would hope. And maybe not because I'm human. I don't know. I would hope that if I'm walking down, you know, New York City and I see someone in need, that I'm going to help them. 
that it's not just going to be I'm stepping over them. I would hope that I would be the opposite. And Simon Peter here is being the opposite of diffusing the responsibility. Like he's stepping into it. He's saying, this is what the people say. This is who I say that you are. I know who you are. I've been walking with you. Then we get to verse 17 right here. Jesus replied, "How, how cool is this? Blessed are you, Simon, the son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I love that. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my, my, by my Father in heaven. And the only way that this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven is by you asking. By you hearing. By you listening. By you understanding. By you getting busy with your faith. Not just being apathetic in your relationship or diffusing the, diffusing the responsibility, but Simon Peter is able to answer who he is. Why? Because he got busy with it. Like he, I would say this, but it wasn't true. He opened up his Bible and read. Like, it wasn't quite written yet, right? But he knew he, who he was walking with to the point where he could answer Not what the people are saying, but who you've revealed yourself to be to me, like this intimate relationship with me. We get to verse 18. This is a great verse here. Thank you, Lauren. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will build my church. By the way, church history, this is honestly where the Catholic church has, has like, there's a deviation right here because of this verse. This is where the Catholic church builds a lot of its theology, right? The Catholic church is saying this, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything that we don't already know or negative here. The Catholic church has said, like, St. Peter is who Jesus has built his church on, right? Those of you that grew up Catholic, you're going to know way more than I am on this, but I can just tell you this, that if I'm St. Peter, or not St. Peter, if I'm Peter in this instant, and God says, I'm going to build my church on you, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And to know that in 2020, there's going to be churches called St. Aaron's. If you ever come across a church called St. Aaron. I can promise you two things in St. Aaron's. I mean, good coffee and really good music. Uh, Your, we'll stop there. Jesus is saying right here, he's he's not saying that, Peter, you are going to take my church. I'm going to build it on you like it's all about you. What he's saying is that on this piece of me, Jesus, on this piece of me, you are a rock, and on this piece of me, I will build my church. It's about me. It's from me. It's, it's all about Jesus and who he is, and we get to walk in his faith, and we get to walk in his strength as he moves his church forward. It's not about St. Aaron. It's not about St. Peter. It's about who Jesus is. And when this happens, when I build my church on who who I am and what I've done in this world, then guess what? The gates of Hades will not prevail. This is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Sheol, which means death. Death will not prevail when you build and walk your life on who I am, the rock, the foundation. But it takes you knowing me. 
not diffusing your responsibility. It takes you knowing who I am and walking in relationship with me. This is the church. We are little pieces of the rock that's built on the rock, and we get to walk in his strength everywhere that we go. This is the church of Greeley. Everywhere that we go. And then we look down here in verse 19. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anyone about that. I will give you the keys. The keys to what? Well, if you look the verse before, the keys to the gate. Right? The keys to the gate. The gate is not an offensive thing. Think about that. This might blow your mind a little bit on this passage because oftentimes this passage is used like, I'm going to give you the gate, I'm going to give you the keys, and you're going to charge hell. You're going to go for it. You're going to, you're going to kick some booty. <laughs> nice catch. <laughs> but that's not what's being said here, really. I mean, if you want to dive down to it, I'm giving you the keys. The keys to what? The verse before, the gate. The gate is not offensive. The gate does what? It protects it protects. It's not an offensive thing. It protects. And I just got to believe that the gates of the kingdom of Hades are a pretty big gate. Like that's, and God's like, I'm going to give you the keys to that. You lock that thing, shut that thing. And when the world all around you looks like death, because that's what the gate, this key is for. It's locking out death. It's locking out hate. It's locking out despair. It's locking out. We could go down a list of things of what the gates of Hades, God has given you the kingdom, the keys to this kingdom for. It's locking it out. Why? Why did did Peter, why are we getting the gates to lock out death? Why? Because we, back up to the other verse, we know who Jesus is. The people say this, but I know who you are. You are this. And God says, you got it. Here's the gates to lock out the death from everything in this world. World. Wow, that has nothing to do with us, plural. That has everything to do with us, singular. That chair is a powerful chair, man. Watch out. I can point out a few other chairs. Mm, I won't point you out, but you're sitting in mine. <laughs> I sat there once. You moved some chairs because there was a section over here at one point. I sat back I sat back over there one time I came. These are all different times I just came to N3C. I remember sitting back in that area over there because I honestly was getting my booty kicked as a pastor. I, I saved another word, bro. <laughs> I was really tired, man. Lauren was at home. I was just like, I just need to go get some anointing. Like I'm getting I'm getting whipped. I mean, I don't know how many chairs in here, but I believe that if I sat in every one of these chairs, God would give me a fresh anointing every single time. You're sitting in a powerful chair. Why? Because you're a powerful person. If you call Jesus God, if you have a relationship with him, he's given you the keys to lock out death. And the gates of hell cannot prevail. And he's got powerful things in charge for, in store for you. The gates, they're the keys to the, or you get the keys to the gate. It's going to bind up. 
This, I don't know about you, but I grew up Baptist. And Baptist is like, man, you better like look right, dress right, do right. And if you say that, that naughty word on accident, then that person's never coming to know God because you're a bad person and you don't represent God well. And it's like this pressure. It's like everything I got to do has got to be so, so perfect because the world and, the, and, and God saving the world is resting on my shoulders. And if I mess this up, I'm in trouble. Like, I don't know if you come from that but be released of that right now. Like this passage that we're talking about right here is a pressure releaser. You know what I'm saying? So if you feel like the world is riding on you, the salvation of the world is riding on you, your actions, what you're doing, hit that pressure release. Because that's what Jesus did right here. He's not saying the world is, is going to be one because you're going to charge the gates of hell. He's saying, because you know me, I'm giving you the keys to lock out death. It's all about me. It's not about you. Don't go to St. Aaron's. <laughs> Unless you want good music. And then he says, well done. He says, well done. That's what we're all looking for. We're all looking for our daddy to say, well done. You know who I am. It wasn't just about the people, what the people were saying, but you know who I am personally. Here's the keys to lock out the death because I call you my child. You call me your father. It's really pretty easy. It's really about waking up, knowing that God has given us the keys because we know who he is. We've spent time with him, and that is going to bind death to the point where wherever we walk, there's light. There's light everywhere that we go, confident in who we are and leaving people better. I don't know what it looked like to go and advocate for 1,500 people. wasn't there. I don't know what it looks like where you go, just like you don't know where it looks like where I went this week and where I'll go this next week. But I'm confident that if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, he says, who do the people say? And Peter's like, no, this is who you are. He's like, bravo, you got it. Here's the keys. Death cannot defeat you. And so when you're sitting in the teacher's lounge, And all they're doing is complaining about the death of the world and how this is happening here and that's happening there. We get the opportunity to pause and go, I see your perspective. May I give you a different perspective? It's a perspective of life. Like God's in control. He's got this thing. And maybe you don't say God's in control. He's got this thing because they're far from God. Maybe use another word. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your profession, what you do, and how you do it. I don't know why God has you there, but he has you there in a powerful way. So maybe it is at that moment you're standing up and you're saying, in Jesus' name. Maybe it is. Maybe it's you're just there quiet because when that person hits rock bottom, they know that you've been stable and they know that they can come to you. Why? Because it looks like no death surrounds you because it doesn't. You have a different perspective. It's seeing the good and the potential, not focusing on the dead and the dread. That's a very pastory thing, bro. You like that? It's seeing the good and the potential, not focusing on the dead and the dread. I want to wake up tomorrow, and Jesus is like, hey, bud, who do you say I am? I'm like, well, this is, this is who I've learned who you are in my life. And he's like, yeah, today's going to kick your butt. But choose to see good, 
Not the dead and the dread, because it's the dead and the dread is around us all day, right? Look in the news, talk with anyone that's far from him. Sometimes talk with Christians. <laughs> Seeing the good and the potential, not focusing on the dead and the dread. What does this, what does this look like Tuesday at 2 o'clock for you? To know who God is, to know that you're the church. You're the most powerful force the world has ever seen. And when God asks who, you, who he is, you can answer him. And when the world far from him asks who he is, you can answer them. With a smile, with a wink, with a word, with an encouragement, with a hug, with whatever it may be. The chair that you're sitting in right now is a powerful, powerful chair. I pastored for over 20 years, and I got it right every single time. I couldn't keep a straight face on that one. God knows that too. He's like, oh, man, you were so close, so close. So I'm going to give you the book of Acts, and it's really going to help you. So go to the book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 24 through 29. This is what it says. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you. Troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men to send to them with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm the word of mouth what we are saying. By word of mouth what we are saying. Verse 28. I love this. I love this. For those of you that are mess ups and don't get it right every single time, okay? Verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. This is the, these are the leaders of the church. This is the beginning. This is Acts, the beginning of the church. And we get in verse 28, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and to us, not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements, and you can continue to read. I want to pause there, though. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. Listen, there's sometimes we're going to get it wrong. There's sometimes we're going to get it right. God's not asking for that, actually. You're not here to save the world. That's his job. So I've had to apologize to my girls. I've had to apologize to other people because I've gotten it wrong at times. Sometimes I've been too emotional, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, God's saying, I'm going to build my church. You're going to be a piece of my rock. And if you lock eyes with me and know who I am, the gates of hell is not going to prevail. So what does that mean intimately? Since this is not about plurality, it's about singular. One, if you call Jesus your father and your savior, you have everlasting life with him. The gates of hell won't prevail. That's it. Done. You want to talk about eternal salvation and debate about that, then have coffee with Darren. He'll tell you. I don't do that. I'm retired. It's great. <laughs> but if only thing you ever accomplish in life is looking at Jesus in the face and calling him Father, Savior, saying, God, I'm a sinner. Come take control of my life. He's like, done. Gates of hell won't prevail. I'll see you in heaven. Well done. 
that is a pressure reliever that more than anything I've ever heard. Like, I don't know what you've done or what you will do. I don't know what I've done or what I will do, but I can tell you this. I see you in heaven. <laughs> Must not have been too bad. <laughs> but I get the joy, continuing to get the joy, just like you, to leave here in a minute. I mean, I'm sorry, in an hour and a half. And to walk in that confidence that devil ain't going to touch me. Death is not going to come upon me. I've got a protection in my life because Jesus has anointed me and he's building me, his church, on him. The church, like, whoo, what an inheritance. And if you walk in that confidence, leaving that shame behind of what you have done, haven't done, will do, won't do, that thing that's dragging you down, but you walk in that freedom, you get to see the potential in everyone that you encounter. Even if they're atheists or Satanists way far from God, you can just smile as you have a beer or coffee with them. I'm not saying either way. And one day, the poo-poo is going to hit the fan in their life. And they might actually be like, hey, can we have another coffee? You're like, yeah. Because they're going to see your life. And it won't be St. Aaron they'll see. It'll be Jesus. That's the church. That's the church. And you know what? It seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. That's how God has built the church. So N3C may get some things right. They may get some things wrong. Aaron may get some things right, may get some things wrong. But listen, if we can all individually say, God, this is who you are, then corporately when we come together, amen. Amen. That is super, super powerful. Just about as powerful as what I'm going to do right now. Aaron said I was supposed to talk for over an hour. I was like, well, not going to happen. But I'll drag this portion out a little bit, okay? (laughs) You guys are super blessed today. For me, number one, not looking so good or looking so good. But also, I'm gonna, I am going to do this. Do I need to push anything funny or? I don't know. Ooh, that's nice. Oh, wow. <sighs> don't judge me. This is a super spiritual song. I don't know about the verses, but the chorus is, okay? So it might, it might encourage you this week. <sighs> don't judge me. I think I got it. Does anyone know what I'm about to sing? Sounds like every Christian song in the whole world, huh? If you know these chords, you could do any hill song. I've got peaceful, easy fees with. Oh, I know you won't let me down. Because I'm already standing on the ground. Again, I don't know about the verses, but the chorus is really cool. 
Think about this, man. We're talking about we're talking about the church, right? We're talking about the church. I don't know if the, if the eagles have been sung here before. Have they? Oh, that's good. Let's do this again. Cause I've got a peaceful, easy feeling. Cause I know you won't let me down. Cause I'm already standing. That's so beautiful. Think about that truth. In a super obscure place called the Eagles. (laughs) But that's our job is to be the church. It's it's to leave here. Please leave here soon and go be the church pointing to Jesus. Confidently knowing that he saved you. He loves you. It's just what it is. And just to make it even a little more weird, I'm going to end with this. It's called The Guest House by a Persian poet. Rumi, another place you may or may not normally find the gospel message. I think it's going to be on the screen. Well, he's good looking. I think it's going to be on the screen. (laughs) That's about to end soon. Don't worry. I'm about done. The human being is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. May he be clearing you out for some, for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. We can encounter death and we will today, tomorrow, the next day. We can encounter malice. We can encounter joy. And we can smile in the face of even despair. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail. So I end with this. November 20th, 2021, was the last time I lived a message. I gave a message last, over a year ago. But yesterday and today is the last day that I'm living the message. Hopefully that's not true, but you get what I'm saying. We're all living messages everywhere that we go. We are the church, a powerful force that the gates of hell cannot prevail. That's good. Dude, you should move chairs quick. (laughs) So I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and we're done. This is found uh, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 20 through 26, and I think Kenneth will come close us out, I think. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And all of God's people said, amen.